That is church right there. All right, man, so many good things happening today. Uh, like, like Emma said, we're launching into a new series of talks that we're calling Church in 3D. Church in 3D. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be walking through what we call our steps. And what these are for us here at Antioch, they are the rhythms of how things actually work around here. Now, a few months ago, we went through a series of talks that we called our manifesto. How many of you were here for one or some of the manifesto series? Now, what the manifesto is, if you hear that terminology, this is what it is. Those are declaration statements of foundation principles that we want to build this house that we call Antioch on. And those declarations of who we are and who we want to be are right here. It is, can you read them with me? Jesus is our message. Serving is our privilege. Honor is our language. Hope is our belief. Celebration is our soundtrack. Generosity is our standard. And transformation is our byproduct. Those are declaration statements of who we are as a church. If you're like, who are these guys? What are they about? That's it. Jesus serving, honor, living a life of hope, celebrating what God's doing, being generous and being transformed. That's who we are. And, and, and these are the things that we're also fighting to be. Because the, these things don't just happen. Are you hearing? And so we're always working through them and on them in us and with us. Are you with me? This is our foundation. This is it. It starts with Jesus. This is our foundation piece. Now the steps for us is the rhythm that happens in our daily life so that these foundations actually become who we are. If this is who we are, our steps or how we get there. They're what we do to actually move forward into who God is and who God has called us to be. Now, let's read these together. Can, you, can we do it a little bit louder? Encounter, matter, belong, grow, and build. These are our steps. This is what we want to do, and this is what we want to be. We want to be a people that encounter God, that know how to matter in this house, how we belong in this house, how to grow in this house, and how we can build this house together. And our hope, hear me, is not that you would memorize a few lists. Okay, that's not the goal. The goal is not that you would memorize a few lists, but we want you to feel like you know where to go, that you know what to do in your life to move towards being all that God has called you to believe. And we absolutely believe that if we are moving in and through these steps, can I make a bold statement? I absolutely believe that if you are walking through the steps, your life will move forward in God. It will move forward in God. These are catalytic. 
they're, they're catapults that if they actually become a rhythm that is within us, they will transform us. And my goal for us over the next five weeks is that we all get a little bit clearer about how to take some steps towards moving closer to understanding who God is and what God has for us. Amen? Are you with me? Now, some of you know this, what I'm getting ready to say. Some of you we haven't met. But this is what you need to know about me. I, I am a man of many passions. And when I get fired up about something, to say that I take a deep dive into that thing would be an understatement. I have another confession. I started acting my age. Okay? Now, I'm 40 years old now. I know you can't believe it. I know. I know. I know, I still get carded, and it feels fantastic. <laughs> Look, I, I love dirt bikes, okay? But I'm 40 years old now. So I sold my dirt bike, and I bought an espresso machine. Okay? Now, this is the ultimate old man move, Okay? If you, like, this is the ultimate old man play. You're going to sell your dirt bike and get a coffee machine? Yeah, that's what I did, right? Now, but, and here's what happened, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just cruising on, on uh, YouTube, and I run into the world of the home barista, or some people call it, the insiders call it the prosumer. And I was like, oh, dude, th this is me. This is, this is, I have a longing in my heart. This is, will fill it. <laughs> and so I start reading. You can ask my kids. I start reading. They're, they could not find me in the house without me reading an article about coffee, how to brew coffee, how to make espresso, what machines. I could tell you about every machine that you need to know, the ins and outs of the boilers and the pipes and the systems. I mean, I just took a deep dive. And I got to the point where I was like, I, look, I have a motto, don't just talk about it, be about it. Any, anybody else? And so I was like, look, I need to put some money into this game. If I'm going to play this game, i got to put some money in this game. Well, I'm a man on a budget, so I had to trade assets. I had to trade Youth for age. All right? And so I, I gave up the, the wind in what used to be my hair for an espresso machine. But here's the deal, man. I think I made a good decision. Like, I, I'm loving this. Like, I, I'm absolutely loving it. I'm upset. I'm not very good at it yet, but I'm getting there. Some of you were like, how can you not be good at it? Look, it's hard. It's hard. Okay, it, 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 look, there are things that matter that I didn't even know about three months ago. Like your, the consistency of your grind size. What? 
the pressure of your water, the quality of your water, the temperature and how it flows, and if, the, and if it's going to flow through the puck of coffee all in the same way at the same time. I didn't even know this was a thing, and now it's all I think about. I can't even go to sleep at night. I, I'm like, I'm so fired up to wake up in the morning and turn my kitchen into Griffin's Cafe. And take orders for like, you know, all my, you know, I'm like, what do you want today? Okay, cool, cappuccino for you. You know what I mean? I mean, I am about it. Now, look, as I was diving into it, they get, there's all of these warnings that they tell you. Like, look, you're going to run into this, and this is probably going to happen, and this is going to Now, look, I had a strong start. None of the things they said was going to happen happened to me. I felt great about it. I was like, I must be a natural. I knew it. I knew I was made for this coffee game. Like, I can't even do it wrong, man. My friends are calling me. They're like, dude, how are your shots tasting? I'm like, fantastic, bro. They're like, are you having any channeling? And I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Channeling? No. Everything is working great. Until Tuesday morning. Because there's this thing that happens when the coffee is not completely consistent it, water makes its way through different aspects of the coffee inconsistently, and that's what's called channeling. And all you need to know is that it's extraordinarily messy. And so here I am on Tuesday, overconfident. I'm a week and a half into my home barista game, feeling like I need to compete for the best barista in the world. And I start pulling my shot and I flip my little lever and my espresso machine turns into a high pressured coffee super soaker and begins to spray me and everything around me with coffee. Now, here's the deal. I didn't even know what to do. I froze. You, like, I just like stood there and just took my failure in the chest, you know? I don't know if that's ever happened to you. When something just goes terribly wrong and you just get, you're like, I, I don't even know. Like, I'm just going to, you know, like, it's just, I'm horrible. You know what I mean? Coffee all over me, man. I got to, like, change my shirt. And it's like, you know what happened on Tuesday? I encountered channeling. And I will never now approach my espresso machine the same way. Because I encountered something that I had read about, but since I hadn't experienced it, it didn't feel like it was relevant. But all of a sudden, I'm standing there on Tuesday morning, and something I had read about becomes something that I'm living in. And can I say it marked me? Physically. That shirt will never be the same. It marked me encountering channeling marked me do you know what else marked me last week last week marked me man god was in the tent god was moving Everybody was worshiping. I mean, you could feel it. It was electric. In that moment, that encounter with the living God corporately together, it felt like it had fuel on it. Did, did you experience this? Like you went home and you were still hyped. In your car, the worship service just started up again. I woke up on Monday morning, fired up, preaching the gospel to my children. You're not acting saved. Let me make sure. Right? 
like that moment, that encounter was marking. It was encouraging. It was stirring. It was challenging. And I'm never going to forget that moment. That moment where, you know, you know those moments when, when the supernatural happens in the natural and you can't forget it. You might not have words for it. You might not have like language to be able to describe it. But in your spirit, you're like, man, I encountered something. And man, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. And what I encountered, I'm never going to be able to forget that. But at 930 on Monday morning, my phone rang. And one of my good friends, a pastor of Antioch in Sheffield, England, his dad was hit by a car when he was riding his bike, and, and he ended up dying. And in that moment, he called me. He's like, dude, can you pray? Because my dad, I'm trying to get there. He lives in England. He's, trying, he's like, I just want to see my dad before he dies. It doesn't look good. All of a sudden, what God did on Sunday started feeling far away. Am I talking to anybody? 30 minutes later, my phone rings again. Justin Robbins, a life group leader here, one of the founding members of our church. His dad has a sudden heart attack. It does not look good. He's trying to find his way to go see his dad. All of this happens within an hour. And all of that fuel and all of that excitement and all of that stirring and all of that ignition that happened in that beautiful corporate gathering, all of a sudden I realized, man, encounters are encouraging, but they are not sustaining. Because I'll tell you what, by, by noon on Monday, what happened in that tent on Easter felt like it was a year away. Because the fuel ran out. Are you hearing me? We remember big moments. Big, big moments are important. They remind us of the bigness of God. They remind us of the power that happens when people gather together in his presence. They teach us things. Big, big moments are exciting. They stir us. They mark us. But they will not sustain us and maybe you had a similar Monday and all that God did on Sunday started feeling really far away on Monday as you realize like yeah something was stirred in me but what you do on your Monday will either make you or break you are you hearing me Monday will make you or Break you. You either encounter the God who will sustain you or you'll run out of the gas of the moment that you had with God yesterday. I want you to jump with me to Acts 16, verse 16. Acts 16, verse 16. This is what it says. Once when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future and she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. And she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul becomes so annoyed. <laughs> I like that part. 
Paul becomes so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Okay, can we just stop right here and let's all take a moment and realize how big of a moment this was. A demon that was possessing this woman came flying out of her and she was free from demonic possession. How many of you would have known that if you were around that, that would have been a marking moment? That, that would have been a moment when you're like, what just happened? Right? That, that, we read past stuff like this in the Bible. You're like, oh, yeah, and then the demon flew out of her. And spirit left her. Thank you, Lord. And we forget, like, what in the heck? This would have been a huge moment. And look, we like to be like, oh, you know, these guys in the Bible, like everything they did happened. Nah, look, Paul, they were surprised too, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that when he turned around and said, Jesus, come out of you, in the name of Jesus, come out of you, and that demon went, whoop, and that woman went, what? Paul went, yo. <laughs> that... that was a massive encounter, not just for the woman who got set free, but that was a massive encounter for everybody who would have seen it. Because when the supernatural God invades the natural, it affects everybody. It marks you. It's a moment. It just does something in you. It just, it just grabs a hold of you. That's why when you go on an impact trip, it's a mission trip, you go to another place, and God just does incredible things, you never forget that. And it's like a, it's a sign in the ground for you to remember. Yeah, man, remember, remember that stuff that God did. That was amazing. But those big moments don't sustain us. They excite us. They ignite us. But they do not sustain us. Watch this. This is what happens next. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Now listen to verse 22. Mega huge moment had just happened. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. Look, God had just demonstrated to Paul and Silas and to everybody else who was around them in this moment that he was in control of what they could see and what they couldn't see. This woman that was in a desperate place, demonized, struggling, couldn't even control herself. The demons were in control of her, following Paul and Silas around and saying what every demon says when they get around the spirit of God, the God's in the house. They can't help it. 
God had just demonstrated in this moment, I'm bigger than what you see. I'm in charge of what you don't see. And those moments are marking. They are igniting. They are stirring. Look, I'll never forget the first time I really encountered somebody that was possessed by a demon. It was freaky. I was actually in Mexico. I was on an impact trip. I was a college student. I was there with a few people from my life group. And we had just gotten off this bus and we were at a park and nobody knew who we were or what we were doing. We hadn't even done anything yet. We're just like walking through this park and this guy comes with this stick with all these feathers tied around this stick and he had this headband on and he starts like yelling at us in this crazy language and like throwing stuff at us. And it was obvious. I don't know if you've ever had this, but it's like, I'm looking at this dude. I'm like, I don't know you, but I know you. You know what I'm talking about? Our spirits knew each other. And me and a couple of my friends were like, dude, you remember in the Bible when they, they would, you know? It's like, let's try it. <laughs> you know? So we looked at him. We're like, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And I'll never forget, man, that dude dropped his stick and ran out of the park. How many of you know that moment marked me? That was a powerful moment, not just for me because it reminded me that God was in control of what I could see and what even what I can't see, but everybody that was around it in the park who had seen this guy doing that all of a sudden was like, what is happening? Because the spirit that is within these people seems to be stronger than the spirit that's in that man. When God shows up in the natural and supernatural ways, it is marking 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Paul spoke the name of Jesus, and all that was tormenting this woman and frustrating them was gone in a moment. God showed up in the natural, in a supernatural way. And then Paul and Silas are beaten and stripped. Their phone rang on Monday. You found out your cancer came back. God did something huge on Sunday. Your dad's hanging on by a thread on Monday. Life didn't seem to stop at the encounter. The pain didn't seem to stop at the encounter. That, that encounter was massive. It was huge. It was important. It stirred you. But then Monday comes around and just, it just, it just, life didn't seem to get the memo. You're jumping up and down because God met you and he met you in power and the breakthrough that you experienced was real. But then your phone rings on Monday. Paul and Silas had just seen God do something unbelievable. The power of God on full display right in front of them. And then all of a the sudden they are stripped and beaten. Big moments ignite us. But big moments do not sustain us. And, and, and I want you to see what God does when we have a rhythm of encounter. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners 
We're listening. Here's the whole message. If, if you don't remember anything that I say, I hope that you remember this. Encounter is a rhythm. It is not random. Encounter is a rhythm. It is not random. I'm going to say it one more time. Encounter is a rhythm. It is not random. Don't miss this. What had just happened in front of Paul and Silas was beaten out of them. That moment of seeing that woman freed from that demonic spirit felt miles away when they were in the inner cell of that jail, stripped down and bloodied. Because life has a way of slapping your encounter from you. And when life slaps back, your rhythm takes over. I used to hear this all the time, and I hated it. Boy, you better practice how you want to play. How many of y'all heard that? And you're like, nah, man, that's for people who aren't any good. I'm talented, man. I can turn it on, right? What's so funny is that we all know that's stupid, but we all believe it. Because how you are going to play when the game gets hard is how you practice. You want to know why? Because your rhythm takes over when you get slapped back. So your rhythm will dictate what you do when you don't know what to do. Paul and Silas were just beaten and stripped, and they did what they always did. Their rhythm took over. Their rhythm took over. They said, we're going we're gonna to sing, and we're going to pray hymns to God. Look, look, this is what they were not praying. Oh, God, would you do something big? Doesn't say that. Oh, God, would you open up the jail cell? Doesn't say that. It just says they were worshiping and praying. They, they, they were worshiping and praying. Because when life gets hard, it's your rhythm that takes over. This would have been a hard moment. And their rhythm took over. Their rhythm took over. They had a rhythm of encountering God. Encountering God is a rhythm. It's not random. And the invitation for us is to develop a rhythm of encountering God so that every morning when we wake up, it doesn't matter what happened the day before. It doesn't matter how well we slept the night before. We live in a rhythm of encountering God. So when the bad news comes, our rhythm kicks in. Because verse 26 will come. It says suddenly. Somebody needs to hear that. Suddenly. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake and the foundation of the prison was shaken. And at once all of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Listen, did, did it say that they were praying that they would be able to get up out of there? No. They were just worshiping God. They were just worshiping. They were just in his presence because they had a rhythm of encountering him. 
That startled me. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Dude. Wow. Okay. Sorry. That really scared me, man. I thought heaven opened up for a minute. I got nervous. I was like, I hope I'm right. My God. Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. When you have a rhythm of encountering God, you're less concerned about what's happening and you're more concerned with who you're worshiping. When you have a rhythm of encountering God, you're less concerned with what is happening and you're more concerned with who you're worshiping. So many of us are so tied up inside thinking that we need God to do something, speak something, say something, move in some way that we miss the invitation to be with him. Paul and Silas were just doing what they did. They, they were just loving God, worshiping. They were not praying because they needed something. They were praying because they loved the one that they were praying to. Look, this, this is huge because sometimes I think we seek the earthquake more than we, we seek the one who shakes the earth. Can I say that? We're seeking the earthquake more than we seek the one who shakes the earth. It's, it's, it's like, God, would you do this for me? It's louder than, God, you are amazing. That's what that is. God, I need you to move more than, God, thank you that you are who you are. And this is what happens when our encounters are random and not a rhythm. If your encounters are random, you're going to ask for what you need. If your encounters are rhythm, you're just going to worship God and not be concerned with what you think you need. You know how I know that is because when the jail cells broke open, they didn't leave. This is going to be uncomfortable for a couple of people. When the jail cells broke open, they didn't leave. They stayed. You want to know why? Because God wants people to be saved more than he wants your life to be easy. Oh, that's not going to get as many amens as God wants to bless you. But that's actually true. God wants all men to be saved more than he wants your life to be easy. So because Paul and Silas had a rhythm of encountering God, when breakthrough happened, they did not assume that it was for them. Oh, I wish you heard that. When the walls broke down, they did not assume that it was them that they needed to be freed. They had their ears to heaven because they had a rhythm of encounter. And they said, this freedom is not for us. This freedom is for that family. So we're about to stay in this jail cell because God's more concerned about saving that family than he is about us getting out of prison. Because if your life is a life of encounter, if you have a rhythm of encounter, you're not concerned with your circumstances. You're concerned with the God who's with you. And Paul and Silas were like, we're not about to just run out this prison. We're going to stay right here. We're actually going to make sure that everybody else stays right here. And you know what's going to happen? The freedom is not just going to be for our lives. The freedom is going to be for that family's life. And that jailer comes in and says, what are y'all doing? Y'all are supposed to be gone. He's about to kill himself because he knows, dude, if y'all get out, I'm as good as dead. And they shout at him and they're like, dude, Put your sword down, bro. We're still here. Can you imagine that head scratcher? 
And he comes in and he's like, what are y'all doing here? They're like, it's simple, man. Jesus. Jesus did this for us and he did something even better for you. And then that jailer took him to his house and it says that him and his entire household were saved. And then they went back to the prison. Because when you're more concerned with who God is, you're less concerned with where God has you. Oh, I wish you heard me. That God is more into people moving or more, more into him moving through your life to reach people than to make your life easy. Man, I'm so tired of people thinking that loving Jesus is easy. No, it's hard. It's a narrow road. It's a narrow gate. It's not easy. It's going to be complicated. You're going to get beat up emotionally. You're going to get beat up spiritually. You're going to feel like the world is against you. God is going to do big things, but the big things don't sustain you. It's the rhythm of encounter that will sustain you. It's the rhythm of encounter of waking up in the morning and saying, man, I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray. I don't even know what to do, but I'm going to do something. I don't even know what to pray, but I'm going to pray something. I don't even know what to read, but I'm going to read something. Because i got to have a rhythm of encountering God. If I want to see real change happen in my life, it can't just be I'm going to come up here on Monday. I'm going to come up here on Sunday. I'm going to sing some songs. I'm going to hear somebody preach a couple verses. No, that's not going to change your life. Monday's going to change your life. Tuesday's going to change your life. Wednesday's going to change your life. Thursday's going to change your life. Friday's going to change your life. Saturday's going to change your life. And yeah, look, those big corporate moments, we're we're all about them. And we're not stopping there. We're going to keep it going and keep it stirring. But those big moments are not going to hold you when that phone rings on Monday. It's not going to hold you when you get that diagnosis that that you just... You can't, you can't stomach it. It's not going to hold you when you're trying to get free from your addiction. What's going to hold you is your rhythm. Because when life slaps back, your rhythm kicks in. And if you don't have a rhythm of encounter, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Paul and Silas weren't surprised that God showed up in power. We shouldn't be surprised that he showed up in power either. But when you have a rhythm, then you're listening to his voice more than you're watching what's happening in the natural. And when those walls fell down, they could see it, but their ears had been attuned to his voice and they heard his still small voice in the earthquake. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said. They heard his still small voice in the earthquake. In the booming of the earth rattling, he whispered in their ears, don't go anywhere. I've got something more for you. That's what a rhythm of encounter. Look, stand to your feet. If you want God to do something in your life, get a rhythm. If you want God to move in your life, get a rhythm. If you need breakthrough in your life, get a rhythm. If you need something supernatural to shift in your life, get a rhythm. Keep coming on Sunday. Go to Life Group on Wednesday. But you need a rhythm on Monday. 
You need a rhythm of encounter on Tuesday. You need to get in his presence. You need to worship God. You need to pray for your family. You need to read your Bible. You got to have a rhythm of encounter because when you feel yourself stuck in a jail cell, you are going to rely on your rhythm. You are not going to remember what I said on a podcast. You're not going to remember a worship song that you listen to in your car. You are going to remember your rhythm. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, would you do something in us that would ignite us to be a people that know how to have a rhythm of encounter, that know how to have a rhythm of breakthrough, that know how to have a rhythm of meeting you in a powerful way so that, God, as we leave this place and we go to Monday, that we would encounter you for who you are by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's worship. Come on.